Uh, I'm gonna ask Kyle to come on down. Where's Kyle? Come on down. Now this is Kyle. Kyle, you made a decision to be baptized this past week, is that right? Yep. All right, so you guys say hi to Kyle. I'm gonna give you that. Welcome. You can go ahead and have a seat, buddy. Uh, he was studied with by Alalawa and Isaac. Uh, anytime somebody makes a commitment to follow Christ, we want to make a big deal out of that. Uh, and we always give them that book that I was giving him with some further discipleship material. We take new believers seriously. We believe it's our responsibility as a church to take care of somebody that has just made a commitment to follow Jesus, just like you'd take care of a baby. Um, you don't have a baby and then just kind of toss it out and say, fend for yourself, little guy, you know. Baby has a family that takes care of it, right? It's the same with, with you guys. When you become a Christian, it's like you're spiritually, you're a baby. You need help. You need people around you to teach you some basic stuff, to help you learn to crawl, to learn to walk, to learn to run. And so that's what the church is all about. Um, I've got another young man I'd like to bring up here, and I, I did not do this to embarrass him. I did get his permission, but Tommy, come on down. <laughs> um, a lot of you guys know Tommy and some of you don't, uh, but we have been praying as a church for Tommy uh, for several weeks because Tommy was in a really bad accident uh, not terribly long ago. Tommy was in a coma. Um, there was a period of time, Tommy, where we didn't know if you were going to live or not. Um, and so we're just really, really glad that you're out of the hospital. Uh, maybe not with, thrilled with how it happened, but... Yeah. We're glad you're feeling better, and what Tommy has told me, guys, and the reason I wanted to bring him down here is Tommy told me that he wants to, to get better with the stuff he's been struggling with because he wants to turn around and become a leader to help others get better from that stuff, too. And so I wanted to pray over him this morning because I believe that's an that's a ambition that God will honor, and I want us, as kind of a home base, uh, to be to be that for Tommy, because Tommy may be going away for a little bit here uh, to go somewhere to get some help, and we want to be that home base that's constantly with him and, and praying with him, okay? Yeah. So I'm going to pray, Tommy, over you, and all these folks are going to join us, okay? Um, God, I want to lift Tommy up to you, and so many of us in this room have prayed over this young man, uh, not just in the last few weeks, God, but for the last few years, we've lifted up a lot of prayers for Tommy. And I just want to pray as he makes this change today, God, uh, that you will supernaturally, by your spirit, fill him up and that you'll use him as a weapon against the darkness. And God, there's people that are hurting, that are lost in, in addiction and in sin. And God, you've given Tommy a gift of knowledge of how to deal with stuff in a way that a lot of people that don't, just don't know, that haven't experienced it. You've also helped him understand, God, through just through mistakes, lessons that a lot of people never learn. And so, Father, uh, I pray for this guy uh, that you will use him powerfully to bless others, that you will help him uh, become a leader in your kingdom, and that you will use him powerfully against darkness. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 I love you, buddy. Love you, too. Have a seat. Guys, the, the kingdom is a powerful force in the world. The kingdom is, uh, is made up of those of us that are surrendered to Jesus Christ as king. The, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven means the royal reign of God. 
It is uh, part of Jesus' teaching when he comes and starts preaching in his ministry in the Bible. He's talking constantly about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. We've been in a, in a ministry or in a series here studying the ministry of Jesus, studying the kingdom of heaven for the past several weeks because we want to wrap our minds around this concept of what the kingdom is. Guys, what the kingdom of God is, is it is a chain breaker. It is, it is a prison break out of the darkness that this world wraps us up in. It is a connection to life. It is a connection to life. It is a connection to wholeness that cannot be found outside of a relationship with God. It is a good thing to be part of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. We're going to look at a parable this morning that gives us a little more insight into the kingdom of God. You've got some notes in your bulletin if you want to pull those out. Uh, we're going to start out in Matthew 13, 47 through 50. We're going to look at the parable of the net today. Uh, and so I am going to pray for us, and then I'm going to ask Mike to read. God, as we open your word, help our hearts to be soft. Help us to take it and apply it in a way that honors you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Mike, go ahead and read that for us, please. Once again, the kingdom of heaven... It's like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled up on the shore. They, and then they sat down and collected a good fish in the baskets, but threw, away the, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. So Jesus is telling a parable here. This is how Jesus liked to teach. He would tell a parable. A parable is a little story that tells a, a big spiritual truth. Little story, big spiritual truth. Here Jesus tells a little story about a net. Guys, the, the lake that is being fished in is what, do you think? It's the world, right? You've got some blanks on your notes, by the way. The first blank on there is the lake in this parable, is the world. Jesus is saying that the world is like, like this lake, okay? Uh, notice, too, that there's fish in this lake. And the idea is uh, we're going to go and we're going to throw a net in this lake and we're going to catch some fish. The fish represents lost people, lost humans. And, and notice that every fish is lost. Every single fish in that lake, in that world, is lost. So the net catches them. And the net is the kingdom. Remember we said kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, it's the royal reign of God. Uh, as Christians, we are called to share our faith with others. We're called as people that live under the reign of God. We are to invite others to live under the reign of God. That's what it means to be a kingdom builder. The church was designed to be a community of people that are going through the world with our arms open and that are, we're seeking and saving, just like Jesus, right? We are in a world where we are constantly looking out for the lost around us, inviting them in. That's part of the heart of Jesus. That is part of the heart of the people of Jesus. So the net is the kingdom. It's the church. It's the community of those who live under the reign of God. And notice too, guys, some fish in the net are lost. That's crazy, right? Okay, now this lines up with what is taught in some other parables, and we're going to unpack all that. There's good fish and there's bad fish, even inside this net. Uh, the good fish 
In the parable, it says, are put in baskets, they're kept, the bad fish are thrown out. The good fish go to heaven, the bad fish don't, right? Even inside the net. What is that all about? We're going to talk about it. So there's three fishing stories that Jesus, I think, wants to teach us from this. There's three that we're going to draw out this morning. The first one is, number one, I have a responsibility to catch all kinds of fish. I have a responsibility as a member of the kingdom to catch all kinds of fish. What does that mean? Well, usually when we think about fishing, we just think about a fishing pole, right? We don't think nets. Here in this, in this parable and in this illustration, they're talking nets. Uh, this isn't an angler. This isn't something that uh, is, is just a solo act. This is a, a net fisherman. You had a hand on it with somebody else. This was usually something that was done in community, right? Um, it says in Matthew 13, 47, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net. The kingdom of heaven is like a net. What is kingdom of heaven? The royal reign of God. The royal reign of God is like a net. That's what Jesus is saying here. God's reign in your life is like a net. Not just for you. Right? It's not just for you. It's for others too. When you become part of the community of the saved people in the world, guys, we are a community that is constantly looking out. We are looking out because the world is lost. We are looking out because people are hurting. We are looking out because people are dying. Our job is to be like a battlefield hospital where we go in and we get help in the church, but then we go out and we get right back in the battle, guys, and the battle is over the souls of the people that are lost. As you are pulled out of that lake in this parable, you're saved, right? As long as you're a good fish. We'll talk about that again. This net, though, guys, the idea of, of fishing with a net, if any of you guys ever, ever fished with a net, okay, uh, some of you probably did it illegally because you're not supposed to in Illinois. Uh, so some of you just broke the law. But anyway, um, commercial fishermen often will use drag nets. In certain parts of the world, you can use drag nets legally. Uh, and in a drag net, it's just a huge net that they'll toss out and they'll pull through the, you know, through the ocean and pull all this junk out. Um, they pull up some crazy stuff out of these nets because a net is indiscriminate. You guys understand, a net is indiscriminate, right? If you're net fishing and you go drag a, a lake or a pond or whatever and you wait till that net is full, you're going to pull up all kinds of crazy stuff. I looked up stuff uh, that, that net fishermen had caught in the ocean uh, and, and I found all kinds of weird stuff that people had found. Like one guy found a giant eyeball in his fishing net. And by giant, I mean he had a photo of it. His hands were like this, and it was bigger than his hands. It was like a whale eyeball or something as big as your head. And he did just like in his fishing net. Uh, one guy found <coughs> like this crazy fossil, like of these antlers. One guy found a million dollars worth of cocaine. Uh, one guy found human remains. Like there's all kinds of crazy stuff you find in a net, right? It's indiscriminate. The kingdom of God is like a net which means we indiscriminately reach out to people. Do you guys ever think, uh, I'm not going to reach that guy, not even going to bother, right? If you do, don't do that. We're not supposed to prejudge. In the parable of the sower uh, that we looked at a few weeks ago, when the sower is going out and casting the seed out, does he prejudge the soil before he throws that seed out? No, he's just casting the seed, and it's the same with us. We indiscriminately reach out. We don't not reach out to somebody because they're a different color. 
We don't not reach out to somebody because they're from a different country. We don't not reach out to somebody because they're from a different religion. We don't not reach out to somebody because they're just different from us, right? The idea of the kingdom of God is it covers everybody. It's indiscriminate. It reaches everybody. Uh, A few years ago, I went and taught at a uh, youth rally, and they asked me to teach this group of teenagers um, about following Jesus and how to reach out to their friends and things like that. And I had this group of teenagers get together, and these were high school students in Texas. And I said, I want all you guys to come up with like six or eight different stereotypes of the different groups of people that go to your school. And so they came back and were like, well, there's the stoners, there's the gangsters, there's the nerds, there's the jocks, there's the the mean girls, you know, and they had like five or six different little stereotypes. And I said, okay, I want you to pick your favorite stereotype, and here's some poster board. I want you to go draw a picture of your stereotypical person. And so they all went and drew pictures. Uh, You know, they drew one of the stoner, and they gave him one of those stupid stoner hats and like a little weed pipe, you know, like, and that's the stoner guy. They had the, the jock who had like his football helmet and like his football jersey and the mean girl who had her makeup and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, what are some of the kinds of things they say? And well, here's what the jock says. Here's what the stoner says. Here's what the mean girl says. You know, and they would have all, and I, okay, who would you not be caught dead with? Did you know that every single person in that room had a type of person they would not be caught dead with? Did you know that? Could you imagine? These were Christian kids. These Christian kids had a person in mind that they would not be caught dead with. I can't imagine that any of us in here would do that. You think? Like, and I made the point to them that, okay, that's the person you would never sit in the lunchroom with. That's the person you'd never be seen with. That's the person you'd never interact with, right? That's exactly the kind of person Jesus would have you reach out to. That was what I taught him. You guys know whenever Jesus called his disciples, the 12, did you guys know there were people that were way different that he called to be part of that little small group of guys? He had Simon the Zealot. You know what the Zealots were? They were terrorists. They killed Romans, right? They were like radicals. They would go out and literally kill Romans with, with daggers. That was what the zealots did. And then, so he called Simon the zealot. Then he called a guy like Matthew the tax collector. Well, who did Matthew work for? He worked for the dang Romans. Do you see the conflict that's brewing here? Okay. I'm going to get the BLM guy and the guy with the MAGA hat. And we're going to put them together. We're going to go do ministry. Let's go, to, let's go build the kingdom of God, guys. I'm going to get the guy with the coexist bumper sticker. You know what I'm talking about with all the religious symbols? And I'm going to put him with the guy with the coexist sticker that's made out of guns. And we're we're going to go and we're going to do this, right? We're going to get it done. This is the type of people that Jesus brought together. Why? Because the kingdom of God is indiscriminate. As soon as the kingdom starts looking the same, something is wrong. If everybody is all the same color, if everybody all comes from the same socioeconomic status, if everybody all is the same, something is wrong. Because the kingdom of God isn't supposed to be like that. The kingdom of God is supposed to be made up of all different kinds of people. The kingdom of God is supposed to be diverse. That's part of 
evidence that the kingdom of God is present. And man, it's a blessing to be part of the kingdom of God. When you get to be part of the kingdom of God, you get to be in line to take the inheritance that God designed for his people. You get to stand in line and inherit all of the blessings that God promised, starting with Abraham, way back at the beginning of Genesis. You get to inherit all of that as part of God's adopted family when you become part of the kingdom. You get to learn how to have the very best life you can have on earth. You get to learn how to be the best dad, to be the best mom, to be the best husband or wife or friend. You get to learn how to deal with adversity. Whenever life throws you terrible crap, you get to learn how you can lean into God and overcome anything with his help. You get to learn how when you die, you get to go be with God in heaven with a place that he prepared for you to have a life that he made for you to be perfect. You get to enjoy all that as members of the kingdom. You get to have the best life now and you get to have the best life in the future. That's what you get when you join the kingdom. Now that sounds good, amen? That sounds good. It's a blessing to be part of the kingdom. And it's a blessing whenever you, as a member of the kingdom, invite somebody else along. You are giving them blessing when you invite them along. You are giving them blessing when you teach them to follow Jesus as their Lord. That's how they're going to have the very best life they can have. You are not taking something away from them when you teach them to follow Jesus. You are giving them the best life they can have. Because you're not pointing to them. You're pointing to Him. Amen? He's the source of everything good. He's got a monopoly on it. We are a blessed people who are called to share the blessing. And God intended his people to be a blessing to the rest of the world from the very beginning. Way back in Genesis. It says in Genesis 12, 2 and 3, this is to Abraham. God says to Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing to others. <coughs> That's prophetic right there. I will bless those who bless you. I will put a curse on anyone who calls down a curse on you. And all nations on earth will be blessed because of you. That's talking about his people, his seed, right? All nations on earth are going to be blessed because of you. How are all nations on earth blessed because of Abraham? Abraham is, is a descendant of Jesus Christ. All nations on earth are blessed through Abraham because Abraham and his seed are the ones that brought Jesus Christ into the world. What Jesus Christ did when he came into the world is he established the kingdom of God in the church. He established his church and he taught those in his church to follow his teachings and then to go spread his teachings. That's our job. Our job in the church is to follow Jesus and to help others follow Jesus. That's our purpose. That's it. If you just want to make it real simple. As we do that, we build his kingdom. And this call to build the kingdom was always intended by God to be a blessing to everyone around us. Because we were never intended as Christians just to make it about us. 
We were intended as Christians, guys, not to be just the field of ministry for God, but the force for ministry for God. When we become disciples, it's not just about us. When we become disciples, we become soldiers. We become people who are building the kingdom. We become people who are concerned about our lost neighbor and those that don't know Jesus. Why? Because they're in trouble. There's going to be consequences. We've got to think about that, right? We were always intended to be a blessing. This starts out in Genesis. He says, Every, you're going to be a blessing to the whole world. Guys, that is fulfilled in us. We get to fulfill this prophecy to be a blessing to the world precisely by calling people to follow Jesus, by being kind to people, compassionate, by having our doors open. Guys, by, by going out and being like Jesus to people, we get to bless the world and we get to call others to do that. We're to be viral Christians. Now that's an appropriate illustration on a week when we've got a bunch of people sick. We need to be viral Christians. Your Faith is meant to be contagious. If you don't have a contagious faith, I want to invite you to examine your heart. Something's wrong. Faith is designed to be contagious. This promise to bless others continued from the beginning of the Bible through the middle of the Bible. In Isaiah, Isaiah even talks about how this is going to be continued in the future. And in the church, he says, I will also bless, in Isaiah 56, I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy. My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, for the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcast of Israel says, I will bring back others too besides my people Israel. Now here Isaiah's saying, I'm even, God's saying I'm even going to bless foreigners in the future. Who's that talking about? It's talking about me and you. Hey, this is anybody that wasn't a Jew, uh, ethnically, right? One of the things that uh, the Jewish people struggled with was embracing those outside of their ethnicity. This was one of the conflicts in the early church. As the early church spread uh, and people started coming in who didn't necessarily follow all of the rules, quote-unquote, um, this was something that caused some conflict. But the, the, the promise here to include non-Jews even, is way back in Isaiah. This is 600 years before Jesus walked the earth. 600 years before Jesus walked the earth, uh, they predicted that Jerusalem was going to be central to this movement and that the word of God is going to go out. Of course, that's where the church starts, as we'll see 600 years later. But this idea of blessing the foreigners goes way back there. Um, early in Jesus' ministry... He invited others to follow him, and he promised to make them fishers of men. Whenever Jesus started his ministry, he goes and he finds some fishermen. He says, hey, drop your nets, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right? And then he teaches these guys to go and make disciples. At the end of his ministry, Jesus says this in Matthew 28. This is from the Expanded Bible. Uh, I like the way it states this here. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, all, of, all power, that is authority, in heaven and on earth is or has been given to me, so go and make followers, that is disciples, of all people in the world, that is the nations. Go and make disciples of all people in the world. Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, gives his followers, all of his followers, 
this command to go and make disciples. In other words, go and become fishers of men. Just like he taught his early disciples, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you fishers of men. He then turns around and gives this great commission. I want all of you to become fishers of men. Making disciples means a follower of Jesus teaches somebody else to become a follower of Jesus. That means uh, a kingdom person who's following Jesus as king turns around and teaches somebody else to become a kingdom person who's following Jesus as king. That's what it means to make a disciple. That's it. And that is our job in the church. It is to be disciples who make disciples. It is to be close to the king and to help others be close to the king. That is our mission in the church. That is our job. The royal reign of God is like a net because the citizens in the kingdom of God are going through life grabbing everybody we can and pulling them into the net, pulling them into the church. We are designed and called by Jesus Christ to catch people. If you have a problem with reaching out to your neighbor, if it is not a priority for you, if you haven't thought about it, I want to invite you to think about the consequences that are going to face those who don't have a connection with Jesus. What is going to happen? Guys, part of what should drive us is our compassion. If I'm just going through life and I don't ever think about the salvation of the people around me, if I'm at work every day and I see the same people every day and I never think, is that person going to heaven or hell? Guys, what does that say about my level of compassion? If I don't ever think about the salvation of another person, do I really love that person the way Jesus does? Is that how Jesus would think about that person? Guys, that is unchristlike just to not think about that or to ignore that. I just want to invite you to, to, to think about that. Some of you guys are new Christians, okay? We don't expect you to come in here knowing all this stuff, so don't feel guilty if that's where you're at. Just take, the, take this and, and make changes if you need to. Make adjustments. Don't beat yourself up unnecessarily, okay? Jesus was constantly looking out for people. He was constantly thinking about others. And the only reason we wouldn't think about the salvation of somebody else is simply because we were thinking about ourselves. That's it. And so a lot of this, guys, is we just need to think of self less. We need to die to self, and we need to think about them a little bit more. And that's what we see Jesus doing. Guys, the royal reign of God is like a net because the citizens of the kingdom are catching people as they go because they're thinking about others. This is, this is only effective as much as we really do think about others. Guys, you, you cannot be a self-centered religious person and, and go through life making a big difference in, in the lives of lost people. You've got to get over the self-centeredness. And again, Jesus is the one um, that sets the example for us and sets the bar. Part of being like Jesus Part of being faithful to Jesus is whether you obey this command to make disciples or not. And I am honestly puzzled sometimes 
when I encounter people who claim to be Christians, but they will look at this passage and explain it away as something they don't need to be concerned about. I have heard, I don't know how many people over the years uh, say they just, or I'm just a good example, and if people come ask me about my faith, then I'll tell them. But I don't ever bring it up. I don't ever try to interject it in a conversation or anything. And I'm just like, that is so lame. I'm not trying to be mean, but good grief. I'm sure glad that there were people in the room with me when I was lost that didn't act like that. Because I'll tell you, I would be dead today if people hadn't reached out to me and like gotten up in my business reaching out to me and challenged me with the word of God. There need to be bold people in the world that are willing to step out and look stupid sometimes for Jesus. You know what I mean? Are you guys awake? Are you sure? Okay. What I mean by that is sometimes we can get so caught up in looking cool or smooth that we aren't bold. Boldness goes a long way. Are you going to stick your foot in your mouth sometimes? Yeah, and it's probably going to be funny. Especially if it's not me. But just go on and be bold. Seriously, speak up. When you join the kingdom, uh, ethnicity, nationality doesn't matter. Colossians 3.10 says, In this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters. He's equally available to all. He is equally available to all. That means I am not going to discriminate when I'm reaching out. I'm just going to be bold. Because Jesus is equally available to all. I don't need to prejudge whether Jesus is for that guy or that guy or that guy or that guy or whoever. Jesus is for everyone. There is no, there's no law that says somebody can't have Jesus, right? He's for everyone, uh, and he's indi- God is indiscriminate. Secondly, <clears throat> I should recognize that not every fish is a keeper. Not every fish is a keeper. In Matthew 13, 48, it says, when it was full, when the net was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad fish away, okay? This is a hard teaching, this is, uh, Jesus is saying here that, that the, the net, the church, is going to catch all kinds of fish. going to catch all kinds of lost people. But then, someday God's going to come back and he's going to judge the world. The Bible refers to this as judgment day or the end of the age. When God comes back and judges the world, he's going to judge those that were in the church. And what this parable teaches is that in the church... There are good fish and bad fish. In the church, the earthly, temporal church, there are people who aren't actually members of the actual church. That's what this says. Now, this is the same thing that's taught in the parable of the weeds that we looked at a few weeks ago. I think Jake looked through it. Uh, It's the same thing. In the community of followers of Jesus, there's going to be people living among them who aren't actually Followers of Jesus, right? Is this encouraging to you guys today? This is great, awesome. I can go to church my whole life and I may go to hell still, awesome. I'm gonna go back to that church next week. This is what Jesus taught, guys. I'm, I'm, I mean, this is just tough. There's no way around this. 
This is a hard teaching. Um, at the end of the age, there's going to be a final judgment, and there's going to be many inside the church who were never truly members of the kingdom of heaven, is what this is saying right here. And that's going to get sorted out by God in the end. Um, this is serious. This is, this, is, this is talking about final judgment. This is serious business. The thing is, we get to choose. I get to choose whether I'm a good fish or a bad fish. You guys get that? You're not just a victim like of your species. You get to choose. Just like in the parable of the soils. There were four different soils. The hard soil, the thorny soil, rocky soil, and good soil, right? You get to choose what kind of soil you are. You're not just a victim. You're not just passive. Like You're not a little robot. You were made in the image of God. You want to know what it means to be made in the image of God? It means unlike other creatures on planet Earth, you and I get to make the sovereign choice whether we're going to be light or dark. You guys realize Jesus teaches with, with contrast a lot. Have you ever noticed that? As you read the Bible, you got light, you got dark. Where's the in-between? No, there's not really. Just not presented that way. It's presented as light and dark. You got life, and then what do you got? You got death. Where's the in-between? There's not one. There's life and there's death. Right? You got good and you got evil. Where's the in-between? It's not presented that way. Right? You've got all these contrasts. Um, Jesus likes teaching in contrasts. One of the reasons, one of the ways he presents truth like this a lot is he always presents it as a choice. You get to choose between light and dark. You get to choose between good and evil. You get to choose between life and death. It's never, you're never just a victim. You're never just passive. It's the same with this, guys. Uh, you get to choose what kind of fish you are. Jesus says, here's another hard truth, okay? Jesus says, most people are going to make a bad choice. Do you guys know he teaches that? You get to choose whether you're going to follow God or not. Most people, according to Jesus, are going to make a bad choice. He says this in, in Matthew 7. You can enter God's kingdom only through the what? Just through the narrow gate, right? Only through the narrow gate. Notice that word only? This is just one way? The highway to hell is what? Broad. What's that mean? It means wide. It means large, right? It means woman. I'm just seeing if y'all are awake. Uh, means, it, it means wide. Um, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very what? What's that mean? It means little, right? So you're telling me the gateway to death is big. The gateway to life is small. How many people are going to find the, the gateway to death? A lot, it says. Many. How many are going to find the gateway to life? Not very many. Jesus is saying right here, there's just a few people that are going to find the gateway to life. There's going to be a whole lot of people that choose death. There's just going to be a few that choose life. Is this encouraging? 
oh, this is this is kind of just a little kind of discouraging a little bit. Right? But it's what Jesus teaches. Here's another hard truth. There's going to be bad fish in leadership positions sometimes. He says in uh, verse 15, watch out for false prophets. What's a false prophet? This is a false teacher. This is somebody that's in a leadership position in the church. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Inwardly. What does that mean? It means in their hearts, right? Where's their motives? Where's their motives? Somebody can get into a religious leadership position and their motives, it can be all about them. It can be all about getting up on stage and getting people to tell me that I'm doing a good job and getting pats on the back. It can be all about money. It can be all about getting up on stage and, hey, if you'll just send me $50, God will send you $500. But you got to send me that $50 first, right? You, you've seen this. You turn on late night TBN and you see these crooks that get up there and, and just steal from old ladies. Uh, we're told to watch out for their fruit. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. This means that it's observable. Fruit means something that's observable. So that you look at their teaching. You look at their character. You look at um, how they handle life and conflict, how they treat people. You can see whether somebody's real or not when it comes to um, whether they're following Jesus. If you hang out with somebody and they act like Jesus, you can trust them. If you hang out with somebody and they don't act like Jesus, you need to not trust them. You need to be careful, right? Uh, Another hard truth from Jesus, guys, is that inside the church, there's going to be people that never really get to know him. And we've looked at this passage before. We've looked at it a couple of times, even in this series. But in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Simply calling me Lord will not be enough. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will join me in heaven. Okay. Only those who do the will of my Father will join me in heaven. Jesus says over and over in the Gospels that you get to be his disciple when you decide to obey him. It's really that simple. It's that litmus test. And man, I got to tell you, in my own life, this has been so hard. This was, this was the thing that was really difficult for me before I became a Christian, like, and I was thinking about it, I was like, I was just not looking forward to all the stuff I had to give up, like, to be honest. I was smoking weed. I was uh, addicted to a lot of stuff. I was, there was a lot of stuff in life I just found comfort in before I became a disciple. When I was thinking about becoming a disciple, thinking about giving that stuff up, it was very, very difficult. And I struggled. And I even studied the Bible and didn't get baptized right away because I knew I didn't want to give certain stuff up. And so I waited uh, a few weeks before I finally decided, you know what, this is stupid. And on Father's Day that year, uh, it was a Sunday morning, I got up in front of the church and I said, hey, I'm going to make this commitment to follow God today. And I want to do it in front of all you guys 
because I want you guys to hold me accountable because I got to give up a bunch of stuff and I know it's going to be really hard. And I was scared. I just got to tell you, I was scared because I knew when I put this stuff down, the, the, that internal itch that you get whenever you start, your body starts craving the substance. Like I just, I was not looking forward to it. And I can say it was the hardest thing to make that decision just to surrender. But you want to know what? After I made that decision, it was just easy. I don't know how else to say it. After I made the decision, it was easy. It wasn't hard to quit. It wasn't hard to stay sober. It wasn't hard to do any of the stuff that I was so afraid of. But man, it was hard to make that commitment initially. When I finally just decided to do it, it was just like, why did I wait? And I don't know if that was God coming and like just being there with me and beside me. and why, I, I don't know. I know I had support. And I know it wasn't hard. It was just hard to make the commitment. Jesus wants us to make the commitment to simple obedience. What he doesn't want any of us to do is to look at his word and to come up with a system of faith that does not involve my simple obedience. And what people will do sometimes, because they feel guilty, they know they haven't lived right lives, they know that they're not right with God, they want to get right with God, but they really don't want to give up this other thing they're holding on to. So what we'll do sometimes is we'll go to church, and we'll make some changes, but there's that core kind of vice or sin that we just clutch with all our might. We're not, we don't want to let go of it. So we try to follow God, we try to follow Jesus, but we keep our hand just clutched on that thing that's killing us, right? We don't want to let it go. And what happens when you start to live that way is you get used to it. And instead of being two feet in to the kingdom, you're one foot in and you're one foot out. And you know what it is when you're one foot in and one foot out? You know what, we, what Jesus calls that? He calls it lukewarm. And guys, Jesus says that that, that is just like you're all out. It, it's not like you're half in and half out. It's, Jesus says it's like you're all out still. It doesn't work like that. You have to obey Jesus. You have to practice simple obedience to be right with Jesus this is so hard, but guys, when you just do it, it's not. I'll tell you what, though, it's hard to start. It's hard to surrender. It's hard to give up because I want to be my own king. I want to be my own sovereign. Man, it's hard to let Jesus be king until it isn't. It shouldn't be. Because he's trustworthy. He doesn't want to harm you. He will never hurt you. He's not just out to ruin your good time. He wants to give you a great life. He wants to give you the best relationships. He wants to give you the most fulfillment and satisfaction. He wants to equip you to deal with the grief and the sorrow that life is going to throw at you in this broken world. 
He wants to give you good things. When you surrender to him, when you just make the decision to surrender to him, you can trust him. You don't have to be afraid. He's not going to hurt you. He's gentle and he's kind. He loves you. Only those who do the will of my Father will join me in heaven. He goes on, at the end of time, on that day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive demons out of the possessed in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? But I will say to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoers. You guys know what an evildoer is in the Bible? When I see the word evildoer, I think maniacal, I think psychopath, I think murderer. Man, an evildoer just means somebody that doesn't listen to God. It's somebody that looks at God's word and says, nah, I don't care. I'm not going to listen. That's that simple. It, it, it's that simple. If you just look at God's word and say, I don't care, I'm not going to listen. I see that God is calling me to do that but I don't care. That's all it is. That's evil. This doesn't mean demented psychopath. It just means you don't listen. Uh, it is important to remember, guys, that not every fish is a keeper. Partly because, and I'm saying this now, I want to say this to those of us in the room that are heavily investing in people. There are a lot of you guys that study the Bible with people. You emotionally invest in people. You make friends with people. You mentor others. You lead others to Christ. Man, it really hurts when somebody you've invested in walks away from the Lord and walks away from faith. But it is a part of ministry. Guys, it happened to Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself had many people who got mad and walked away from faith. And he had to watch them as they left. And it hurt every time. But he never got so discouraged because people walked away that he quit. And some of you guys, whenever people you love walk away, your, your, your temptation is to quit. Because you don't want to invest in somebody else because they're, they may hurt me. That's the price of love. Pain is the price of love. Don't ever let... The fact that there, some people are going to walk away keep you from reaching out. The Bible clearly says that some people are going to walk away. It's going to happen. There is no such thing as a church where there is nobody that leaves. Just isn't a thing. It's, it's what the Bible describes here, right? There's no such thing as a church where every single person is fully committed to Jesus Christ. Did you guys know that? Have any of you in here been looking for that perfect church? You better keep looking, right? The way it's described in the Bible, that Jesus Christ is saying here, in the earthly church, there are going to be non-Christians inside of it. Did you guys know the Bible teaches that? This, that's what this parable is all about, right? At the end of the age, that's going to get worked out. In the heavenly church, there's not going to be any non-Christians there. But in this earthly church, there's going to be some non-Christians here. So that means that I need to make sure that I'm right with God. That means that I need to make sure that I'm not one of those, right? How do I do that? We're going to close with this today. 
Number three, I need to resolve to do what I can. I must resolve to do what I can. If I get this kind of discouraging parable from Jesus, what am I going to do with this? Well, I need to do what I can do. Right? And that means I need to accept there's certain things I cannot do. One of the things I cannot do is I cannot be in charge of this final judgment that God is, is going to be in charge of. I can trust God to sort it out in the end. It is uh, not my job to judge Good fish and bad fish. That is not my job. That is above my pay grade. When it comes to judging your eternal salvation, I can look at the fruit of your life and I can say what I think. You know, here's based on God's word. Here's what it looks like. But guys, at the end of the day, I do not get to say and you do not get to say who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. We don't get to say that. We get to warn people what God says, but guys, at the end of the day, it's God's decision. He's going to work it out. In Matthew 13, it says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For the bad fish, they're going to be thrown in this parable into a blazing furnace. Does that sound pleasant to anyone? No. This is talking about hell. Hell is not pleasant. Hell is, uh, is a terrible place. But that is what's going to happen to those that are outside of a relationship with God, where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping, intense grief, gnashing. The word used for gnashing here, there's two words for gnashing in the New Testament. This one means you're grinding your teeth in pain. There's another word that means grinding your teeth in anger. This one here is the one that's talking about pain. This place is going to be sad and it's going to be painful. Right? That's the bad fish. I do not get to determine who goes to that place. God does. What I get to do and what I should do is warn and point people to what God says. But at the end, it is only God who gets to make that decision. So I don't have to worry about it. You want to know one of the things God never does? Make mistakes. Have you ever had somebody that's died and you've wondered where they're going to go and how this could be fair? How could, the, how could God send this person to hell for this? Okay, guess what? It's going to be fair. Whatever God decides, it's going to be fair. What about that friend I had that, that this happened to him or that happened? God's going to work that out. God does not make mistakes. If I have a loved one that passed away and I'm curious about their salvation or I'm concerned about their salvation, I can take comfort in the fact that God does not make mistakes. He does not make mistakes. Guess who's going to be in heaven? Everybody that should be in heaven. Guess who's not going to be in heaven? Everybody that should not be in heaven. There's not a single one where God made a mistake. Isn't that comforting? I don't have to worry about it. Right? I can tell others the truth, though. I don't have to worry about judgment. I can lead others to Christ by telling them the truth. If I know this judgment thing is coming, but I don't care about telling others about it, guys, again, what does that say about me? I don't understand when I encounter a Christian and I ask them, you know, do you ever reach out or do you ever talk to people about your faith? And there's almost kind of a hostile response. Like, why would you ask me that? Uh, do we follow the same God? That, that's where my mind goes. And I'm, not, I'm really seriously not trying to be rude, okay? But I am impatient and I struggle with patience towards people that say they're Christians 
but they don't care about lost people. I struggle with patience because that is so opposite the heart of Jesus Christ that I read about in the scriptures. Jesus is concerned with a lost world. He came into the world precisely because the world is lost. He died on a cross because the world is lost. He suffered. He bled. Man, he gave everything he had to give because the world is lost. For us to sit in the same room and not be concerned with our neighbor is an insult to what Jesus did on the cross. And we need to check our hearts. We've got to be concerned with others because that's what honors Jesus. That's what he was like. How can I say I'm like Jesus when I don't care about people that don't know Jesus? That's completely opposite of what he was like. I've got to tell others. <coughs> this um, passage from Jude, the brother of Jesus, is challenging, okay? Jude uh, 22 and 23 says, Be helpful to all who may have doubts. Rescue, look at this now, rescue any who need to be saved as you would rescue someone from a fire. Have you ever noticed this before? He says, rescue, he's talking to the church now. He says, go rescue people who need to be saved like you're pulling somebody out of a fire. Do you guys ever think of your outreach like that? Guys, you realize the consequences for, for living outside of a relationship with God are great. If they're great in this life. They're greater in the next. There's going to be consequences for whether you choose Jesus or not. There's going to be consequences that are eternal. If you go through life without Jesus, it's like you're in the fire. Now, I don't think any one of you, if you were walking down the street, if you were out there like this evening and you were walking down this road and this apartment building across the street were on fire and there was somebody in there yelling for help, I don't believe any one of you would just keep walking. I don't believe any one of you. Now, I'm not saying you'd run in the burning building to get them, but you'd at least stop and maybe call 911 or something, wouldn't you? You wouldn't just ignore that and just keep walking down the street like, all oh, sucks for them. You wouldn't do that. Not a single one of you would do that. But you know what? You would spiritually. Because you don't see that they're in a burning building. In their spiritual state. You guys need to understand, the Bible presents reality. The Bible presents truth. What the Bible says is those outside of a relationship with Jesus are like, it's like they're in a burning building. Your coworker that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, it's like they're in a burning building. Your family member that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, it's like they're in a burning building. That campus student, that high school student, that... Friend of yours, they're in a burning building if they don't have Jesus. You're just going to walk by and not even say anything to them? You're not even going to try? You're just going to keep walking and ignore it? You're going to come to church every week and you're going to hear guys get up on stage and talk about your friend in the burning building and what you should do to help them and you're just not, it's just going to be in one ear and out the other? Don't do that. Don't do that. How does this apply to your life personally? Who do you know that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? Guys, it is unchristlike for you to give that no thought. It's just not like Jesus to ignore people like that. 
Man, he, what would he have you do? Some of you are thinking right now, and maybe you're at a loss. You don't know what to do. Well, let me tell you what. I guarantee you, you know somebody in this church that you could go ask if you're struggling with this right now. That's what the church is here for. Some of you guys are new. A lot of you guys are new. This faith thing, you're just learning. That's okay. Right? The reason we have lessons like this and the reason we bring stuff up is so we can make changes and get better, right? If, there, if this is an area of struggle for you, talk to somebody that you know that is strong in this area. We have a lot of people. We're blessed here at the Crossings. We have a lot of people that are really strong when it comes to sharing their faith, when it comes to making disciples, when it comes to catching people. Right? There's some skill that's involved in that. We have people here that are skilled, that can help you. If this is an area of struggle, I want to encourage you to get help. You want to know what you should not do? What you should not do is say, well, that's just not a strength of mine. I'm just going to ignore it. There is no such thing as the gift of evangelism. It's not in the Bible. It's crazy because you can go take these spiritual gift assessments on the internet. That's always the gift of evangelism. Not in the Bible, right? It's a command to share our faith. Whether you're gifted or not, it's a command to share our faith. And there's people here that can help. And if you are outside of a relationship with God this morning, guys, look at this again. Be helpful to all who may have doubts. Rescue any who need to be saved as you would rescue someone from a fire. If you are outside of a relationship with God this morning and, and you're here, I just want to say welcome. We are really, really glad that you're here. Uh, we try to make these assemblies friendly so that you can learn. Uh, and if there's any questions or anything, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Uh, we want to help. We're here to help, okay? I do want you to look at this passage. Because this right here says if you are outside of a relationship with God, you are in danger like a person in danger from fire. You are in danger. Your soul is in danger. He goes on. Then with fear in your own hearts, have mercy on everyone who needs it, but hate even the clothes of those who've been made dirty by their filthy deeds. He's telling these people, I want you to go through the world and I want you to grab everybody who will follow Jesus and I want you to pull them right along and help them learn to follow Jesus just like you're pulling them out of a fire. If you're here this morning and you're outside of a relationship with Jesus, what you need to do today is you need to follow Jesus. There's a, a piece of paper in your bulletin. We're going to fill those out in a second. If you need to study the Bible with someone or if you just need to get right with God, indicate on your card that you'd like a personal Bible study and we will study the Bible with you. We will help you get to know Jesus. You can make that decision. We're here to help you with that. If you are in a relationship with Jesus, I want you to look at this passage and I want you to be challenged. You need to understand that you are going through life sharing your faith. It's like you're pulling people out of a fire. And if you're going through life and you're not sharing your faith, it's like you're just ignoring people that need to be pulled out of a fire. And that's very incompassionate. I don't understand how somebody can claim to love Jesus and then not care about lost people. I don't understand how somebody can claim to love Jesus, but their faith is all about them or their kids. 
It's not about anybody else. That is not the spirit of Christ. I have a friend a few years ago uh, that decided to make an illustration using fish. You guys, uh, some of you guys know Mackie Shedd. He's, he's the minister in Columbia. He took this bowl of fish and he pulled the goldfish out and he just threw them on the floor in front of all these college girls. You know what sounds they make when they see fish dying on the floor? They make funny sounds. Uh, as these fish were gasping for breath, Mackie went on to explain how those fish gasping for breath and dying on the floor are like their lost friends that they're not telling about Jesus. And guess what? He made an impact that day because it was the truth. You've got people around you who are gasping for air, who are gasping for air, and you've got the air to give them, are you going to give them the air? Are you going to give it to them? You've got it. In Jesus, you've got to take the initiative. Part of this, guys, and this is the last point today, is I can take my relationship with God seriously. I can take my relationship with God seriously. A big part of this is my own example. If I'm going to have any credibility at all with people that I'm reaching out to, it needs to be based on the authority of my example. Listening to God and doing what He says. In Matthew 7, those people who are listening to me, those people who hear what I say and live according to my teachings, you are like a wise man who built his house on a rock on a firm foundation. When storms hit, rain pounded down, and waters rose, levees broke, and winds beat all the walls of that house, but the house did not fall because it was built upon the rock. Those of you who are listening and do not hear, you are like a fool who builds his house on sand. When the storm comes to his house, what will happen? The rain will fall, the waters will rise, the wind will blow, and his house will collapse with a great crash. I can take my own relationship with God seriously. Right here in this parable, Jesus says, living a life where you take his word and apply it is like a wise man. When you take his word and don't apply it, you're like a foolish man. When you take his word and apply it, you're like a man who built his house on a rock. When you take his word and don't apply it, you're like a man who built his house on the sand. When you take his word and apply it, you're like a good fish. When you take his word and don't apply it, you're like a bad fish. That's really what it comes down to. It really is simple obedience. And so church, I just got to say, you are here this morning and you're hearing this. You get to decide what kind of fish you're going to be in life. And the difference between a good fish and a bad fish is really just simple obedience. Guys, the reason the church is here is God set this community up to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world to be the blessing to the world. Just like he promised way back to Abraham in Genesis, he designed this community to be a blessing. He designed this community to be about his business of reaching out. He designed this community to be a light in a dark world. I want to invite you to join this community today. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we'd love to help you have one. 
That's going to start with a Bible study. We want to open up God's Word with you and look at what God's Word says about how you can connect to Him. If you're here today, uh, there's a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin if you want to pull those out. If you're here today and you want to study the Bible with someone, indicate on there that you'd like a personal Bible study. And we'll have somebody get together with you. If you're here today and you'd like to check out a small group, we've got small groups for all ages. Um, well, I take that back. Uh, six, sixth grade and up. Uh, we've got small groups for, for uh, youth ministry and college ministry and adults. We would love to plug you in. Community is something that you need. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you were never designed to do this on your own or alone. Uh, we want to plug you in and get you connected. Uh, if you're not ready for that, if you just want to kind of get to know a little bit more about the church, man, just go eat lunch with somebody today. Uh, it could be as simple as going, going and having a meal and just making a friend. Whatever you need today, I want to invite you to connect. Regardless of your need, your need is going to be met through connection here. I want to invite you to connect. Look over that card. If there's anything we can do to help you, let us know. We would love to get to know your name. We would love to get to know your story. We would love to get to know your family. We would love for you to connect. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a song. During that song, you'll have time to fill that card out. Then we'll sing one more song after that. We'll pass some baskets, and you can drop your card in that basket, okay? Let me pray for us. God, um, thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the clarity that you give us in these parables Help us to be kingdom people who are concerned with the lost around us. Help us to honor you by growing the kingdom and building the church by sharing our faith. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.